Good morning, church. Uh, Pastor Sue here, and it is the first Sunday of a new year, 2021. So if I haven't seen you or uh, texted you or spoken to you yet, happy new year. Happy new year from Northwest Harvest Church and from our home to your home. Uh, I believe in firsts. I believe that uh, the Lord says he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And that firsts are important. And first, the first Sunday of a new year to me sets a precedent. And so um, what, we, what we are thinking and believing uh, at the beginning of the year can actually set the tone for the year. So we really want to hear from the Lord and we really want to obey what he's saying and be in step with what the Spirit is leading us to do. Uh, typically at the end of a year, people reflect on what has happened in the year past and uh, sort of the good, the bad, the ugly, and um, and then look at the new year and what it holds. And in our fellowship at Northwest Harvest Church, we have uh, asked the Lord, um, I, I, this will be the, the 5th January that I've been uh, at the church, and we typically ask the Lord for one word going into the new year. And so I'll, let me just review for you the words um, that uh, we have had so far in, in um, my time with you. The first one was bold, to be bold. You know, the disciples were already filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and doing the works of Christ, but they prayed that they would be bold and the Holy Spirit was given to them to make them bold. Uh, the next one was shift. That was huge. Um, the whole earth is shifting and being uh, realigned to follow the purposes of God. The next one is occupy, occupy the land. The people of God are called to occupy the land. And then we had reveal that the Lord was going to reveal things to us and, and begin to reveal the sons of God in the earth. And last year was delight. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Even in a, even in a tough time like uh, we experienced in some of us experienced in 2020. This year, I felt like the Lord was saying rebuild, that this is a time where he is going to rebuild um, the, the body of Christ. That uh, as Pastor Steve had said in the past, he shakes to redeem. And certainly 2020 was a year of shaking that he shakes to redeem, and that he is rebuilding. Um, so I, I love the verse where in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Of course, to some were the fragrance of life, and to some were the aroma of death. But he leads us, catch that, he leads us always in triumph. You are built for triumph. At the beginning of this year, I want to remind us to remind ourselves of the words that have been spoken over us personally and corporately um, as a fellowship. And Timothy um, is reminded by Paul. This is in 1 Timothy 1.18. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. I'm going to read that again. Timothy, I'm giving you this command, in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. 
holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and some have suffered shipwreck, which uh, with, I can't read my own writing, with regard to the faith, some have suffered shipwreck. And Paul knew about shipwrecks. People's faith were sh was shipwrecked in Paul's time. And he's speaking to young pastor Timothy. And he's saying, Tim, don't forget the powerful words God has spoken over you through other members of the body. That God has spoken destiny over you. God has spoken hope over you. And you by recalling these prophetic words and uh, bringing them to mind, you can fight the battle well, holding on to the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected. So this is a time when um, there are a lot of people who are disappointed and disillusioned and discouraged. There's a lot of dissing going on. This is not a time to give up church. This is a time to press in. This is a time to press in to know him, to press in to know him. And hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? We know that. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think so many times we're on the verge of a victory and we give up just short, just shy of the victory. And God is saying, press in church, press in. Don't give up now. Victory is at hand. I'm just going to say to you, some of you are probably tired of me uh, singing this same song. I've been called a cheerleader and I want to tell you, I'm, I am cheering you on to victory in Christ. But I see the high calling on hope, on us as a fellowship and on the people of God in hope. There is destiny on our town. I have never lived in a place where I've known so many people who have been called to live in hope. And I love it. I love that I can say that. I love that I can say that I live in hope because I live in eternal hope. I live in a living hope and I live in this beautiful place called hope. And I want to recall to you um, or it will be new for some of you, uh, some dreams that I had about our town, about hope, not specifically about our fellowship, but about believers in the body of Christ in hope. So if you're not from hope and you're listening to this, um, my apologies, uh, you can pray for us in hope. And I know God has destiny on your life and where you are called to be because he makes the place and then he puts the man in it. That's what he does. He made the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve, and then he put them in it. And he says, that's how it begins. And it ends by Jesus saying, I go to prepare a place for you. So where you are, wherever it is, God has prepared that place for you. And there is grace for you to walk out your destiny in that place. So this is specifically now for the church, the, the people of God in hope. Some time ago, I had a dream about a long line of emergency vehicles lined up bumper to bumper in single file, going to like a remote location, um, sort of an outback location. No sirens going, uh, just quietly coming bumper to bumper, single file to this to this um, place that was out of out of the city. And in my spirit, I knew that those ambulances and fire trucks and, and other vehicles had 
gone to the places where they were normally allocated to go for help. And they'd gone to those systems, and they'd gone to those places, and they had received no help. The hospitals hadn't helped. The clinics hadn't helped. The, the psych wards hadn't helped. The prisons hadn't helped. All of the emergency vehicles were coming to a place. And guess where they were coming? They were coming to hope. And immediately in my spirit, I said, God, are, are they coming to our church? And in quite a strong response, which I didn't hear audibly, but I knew in my heart, the Lord said, no, no, Sue, they are not coming to your fellowship. They are coming to hope, which ultimately means they're coming to Christ, right? They're coming to hope eternal. They're coming to living hope. They're coming to Jesus. But he also made me to understand that hope has a calling. Hope has a destiny. All the more reason for us to press in to our personal prophetic words, to know who you are in the body of Christ and to know your role. Now, one of the reasons that I am giving usually these high calls to action and these responses to press into God is that I have an apostolic calling on my life. I am more apostolic than I am pastoral. So if I'm not very pastoral for you, I apologize, but... That wasn't my choice, right? God, we need to know who we are. And we'll explain uh, a lot of the way we interact with one another to know who we are and what our callings are, what our ministries are, and, and who we are in Christ to know our identity. The other dream I want to expose to you is um, a dream that came uh, in April of, of uh, 2020 when COVID was, was just um, beginning to be uh, a big deal. And I had this dream that um, we, I was with Pastor Jeff Kuhn from the Baptist Church in Hope. And he was a busy, busy man. And he was running around and he was holding a baby, about a five month old baby. And he said to me, Sue, take this baby. And so I, I took the baby into my arms and I understood as you do in, in dreams, you just kind of know things without being told. I understood that this was not Jeff's natural baby. This was not his grandchild. This was uh, a new birth in the kingdom. This was a new believer. And so I, I looked at the baby and I'm, and it was a very young child. And this five month old baby began to speak to me in complete sentences. Babies at five months old do not speak, much less speak in complex sentences. And so I understood, and I, I've shared this with Jeff and I've shared it with the Hope Ministerial Association. I said, I understood that we as the believers, as the body of Christ in hope would see new growth, spiritual birth, people coming into the kingdom, being born again. And there would be this uh, cooperation between members of denominations, between members and leadership in churches that we would just share uh, the discipleship and the growth and the, the mentoring of these new believers in Christ as one, that there would be an, a, a unity, not a superficial unity. You know, we have done things as a ministerial over the years, but I think God is calling us to deepen the oneness of the body of Christ in this time. And that the other thing in the dream was that the new believers would mature extremely rapidly, that there would be a move of God where believers New believers would just understand the kingdom of heaven and would walk in righteousness and truth and faith and obedience and would be uh, maturing 
very rapidly, which is completely exciting. So I want us to remind ourselves at the beginning of this year, whatever this year holds, that God is doing a new thing. He loves new. He loves new. Isaiah talks about, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Bruce and I spoke of this last week. Do you not perceive it? But the thing that he's doing is tearing down, this is what he's been about, tearing down the old structures, tearing down systems in the body of Christ that didn't work, and redistributing the fivefold ministry, the gifts, the calling, the, the, the priesthood of all believers, and equipping us to be the body of Christ because the head is so glorious. Jesus is the head of the church. And he deserves a glorious body, a glorious bride. <coughs> Excuse me. And that he is bringing us, he is rebuilding, restructuring, redefining the ecclesia, the church. You know, someone said they were conversing with the Lord and uh, they said, you know, Lord, the world doesn't like the church. And the Lord said to him, they haven't really seen the church, the true church in a long time. He said, you know, they don't even like Christianity. And the Lord responded to him, they don't like powerless Christianity. They will, they will pay attention to an ecclesia, to a church that has, has authority and love and truth and power. Don't give up. War in the spirit. We don't wage war against flesh and blood. War in the spirit for the call of God on your life. And for the call of God on this town and for the call of God on our nation and for the, the people of God worldwide. You know, sometimes we, we speak to God about the mountains in our life. And God says, speak to the mountain about me. You know, we've got it backwards sometimes. We can come to God and say, God, change this and change that. And God says, I have all authority. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. You go into the world and you say to this mountain, be lifted up and cast into the sea and it will be done. It's an exciting time, church. Do not give up. Do not give up. Um, I, I, I love the story of David and Goliath. If you were with us during the uh, Louis Giglio study on um, uh, facing, not facing the giants, Goliath must fall. That Jesus is David who goes in and defeats Goliath. But you know, David had this amazing attitude. The, the troops of Israel, the army of God, had been, Judah and Israel had been sitting there for 40 days and this giant Goliath unprecedented you've heard that word a lot unprecedented size and you know all he throws out all these numbers if you read about it it's in first uh, samuel 17 if you read about it, it it gives you all of these like how much goliath's spearhead weighed how much his armor weighed how tall he was how big he was how much his helmet weighed you know a, a whole lot of numbers are thrown out at Israel, at the people of God, a whole lot of numbers, which kind of reminds me about what's happening right now with the giant of fear in our land and that people are fed numbers every day. 
this number of cases of viruses. We're fed numbers that intimidate us and cause fear. And fear is a huge giant. Intimidation is a huge giant. And the army of Israel was in that environment day after day. And it says they would go out in battle array. They looked like the military. They'd been trained like the military. But they absolutely did not respond in the spirit and faith. And so twice a day, Goliath would come out and say, Hey, send a man to fight me. One guy. And if he beats me, we will be your slaves. And if I beat him, you will be our slaves. You will lose all your rights. You will lose the land. You will lose your inheritance. You will lose all the promises of God. And you will be our slaves. And so I, I look at that and I go, Abner was the, was the leader of the, the army at that point. Abner, a seasoned warrior. And even with the incentives to be uh, the king's son-in-law, and to not pay taxes and all the things that, that Saul promised. No warrior stands up to this giant because it's unprecedented. This guy's over nine feet tall. He's huge and he's hurling insults at them and taunting the armies of the living God twice a day for 40 days. And it says the people of God, the army of God turns and flees twice a day. It's humiliating. It's discouraging. They must have been absolutely despondent and wondering how and when this would end. And they're living in defeat. They're absolutely hopeless and they're living in defeat. And here comes David to deliver cheese sandwiches to his brothers. And he looks around and he, he's like, he's, he goes out to see the army. He listens to Goliath. And he's horrified. He's like, what are we doing, guys? What, what, why is nobody standing up to this guy? And he says, what? Like there's rewards too, just for doing what's right, just for doing the thing that God could do in an instant. God had the power in the last 40 days to take this guy down, but he didn't have a man who would stand in the place and say, God is victor. God is victorious. God is the winner. What could compare to him? If I compare myself to the enemy, if I compare myself to the challenge, I am going to be so intimidated. I am going to be so uh, out of my league. But if I compare my God to whatever that challenge is, to whatever the giant is in my life, whether it's fear, whatever it is, that that giant compared to my God is a big zero, is nothing, is nothing in the, in the light of the kingdom of God and who he is. He is the everlasting. He wins time and again. And so David steps on the scene and he says, you're coming down. I've trained in this. I've seen lions and bears come down. I have experience with this God. He's faithful. He is the living God. He's not dead. He's alive and he's actively involved. And he says, you will know that God won this battle. And I'm going to chop off your head and you will, I will feed your body. And the bodies, he one-ups, he one-ups Goliath who says, I'll feed your body, David, to the birds and the beasts. And David says, 
we're going to feed your whole army to the birds and the beasts so the world so the world will know so god will get the glory this is not about any man this is not about any person this is about god getting the glory in the earth i i i think of uh when the word that the lord put in my spirit is rebuild you know the walls of jerusalem were down for i think 141 years they fell when babylon came in and sacked jerusalem ezra goes back and he rebuilds the temple eventually but not until nehemiah comes in 141 years later and Jerusalem, read the beginning of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's brother comes and visits him. And Nehemiah says, how's it going over there? And his brother says, we are living in shame and humility. Because our walls are falling down. What are walls? What do walls represent? They represent protection. They represent protection. And he says, the walls are still down. And the gates have been burned. And there is no protection. What do gates represent? Authority. Authority. The men sat in the gate and they controlled the what came in and out of the town and they ruled. It was a place of authority. Authority in the spirit comes through relationship. This is our time, people, to rebuild the walls and the gates and how did Nehemiah do in 52 days what had not been done in 141 years there's some numbers for us think on the, the numbers <laughs> the number 52 days in comparison to 141 years of defeat and Nehemiah came in and he said we're not going to listen to the opposition we are going to rebuild our portion of the wall in front of us in this time when we can't meet together and we can't really go anywhere what a perfect time to rebuild the wall in front of your own house and how did they do it they had a trowel in one hand and they had a sword in the other they were had protection and the word of god i think we've been okay at uh the way we've allowed god to rebuild the temple in the western church you know we have worship we have presence uh but the walls, the protection and the authority, I think, are what are coming into place next. And the way that we do that through the priesthood of all believers who have the Spirit of God, who have the living Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in them, is that each of us raises up uh, in the Lord and allow him, invite him, pursue him in this time that he would rebuild in us the walls of protection and the authority of God. Jesus' authority as the head through his body, the people of God, the church. And that's what I believe is God's message for us as we, as we start into this year is take the word of God, the sword of the spirit, and ask God, what's my part? How do I rebuild the wall in front of my house? I don't know what the size of the wall was in Nehemiah's day, but you know, but uh, the ar archaeologists have uncovered walls that were 12 meters high and you know several meters thick. 
They were, they were sturdy, incredible, amazing walls of protection. Church, we are the people. God, when God looks at a nation, he doesn't look at its government and says, say, what's the temperature of the nation? In the spirit, God looks at the people of God. He looks at the church. He looks at the people of God and says, people of God, what are you doing in this nation? It's time for us to rebuild our walls, church. It's time for us to rise up in the word of God, by the spirit of God. We don't invent things to do. He's the head. Listen to the head. Have an attitude that he leads us in triumph, in Christ. He always leads us in triumph and that he will instruct us how to rebuild the wall in front of our home so that the walls of the nation can be joined together in the spirit and that we will see God come and do the new thing that is in his heart to do. God bless you. Uh, I pray the fullness of everything that the Lord has for you. If you're someone who strives, rest in the Lord this year. If you're someone who's become lethargic and disappointed and uh, it needs stirring up, Remember the word that the Holy Spirit spoke to us in 2020 through Trish. Stir yourself up. Participate with God in what he has to do. You cannot lose. He is victorious. God bless you. Uh, we're talking about having a, a Zoom call for next Sunday, so I'll email you about that. In Jesus' name.